Moncrief with Energlaze on News Talk. Now, had he lived, Brendan Behan would be 100 years old this year. And your first reaction to that might be, well, he wouldn't have lived that long. He was a drunk. There are many myths and stereotypes associated with Behan. And so to build a more rounded and nuanced portrait of the man, an audiovisual exhibit is currently running at the Museum of Literature uh, Ireland on Stevens Green. And it's called The Holy Hour. It finishes on October the 15th. And we're joined by the man who created that exhibit, the author Pat McCabe. Afternoon, Pat. Hello, Sean. How are you? Not too bad. Now, the, you, you, why did you include Catholicism in this? Why, why was that central to this idea? Well, it would be very difficult to grow up in Ireland, you know, in the years that Brendan Behan spent on this earth between 1922 in 1964, and not include Catholicism, wouldn't it? Mm. But though, did it have much an effect on him, do you think? Oh, it most certainly did, yeah. His mind was very Catholic, I think. And I don't just mean that in the narrow sense. I mean in its kind of uh, elasticity and its kind of extravagance. If you take the kind of older view of Catholicism, you know, the kind of uh, pre-Reformation kind of view of it, stained glass and uh, colour and, uh, I suppose forgiveness, all sorts of things like that. But he deals with it in Borstal Boy more so than anywhere else in his uh, teenage years when he had a dread of being excommunicated and so on. But that isn't the reason that I framed it through the prism of Catholicism, really. It's only part of it. The reason that um, I used Catholicism or the language of Catholicism was because he was described by his first publisher as God-branded, which would probably come as a surprise to many people, but the publisher in question was a man called Ian Hamilton, who was of Scottish Presbyterian extraction. And he found that was his first impression of Brenda B. and having spent, I think, three hours, maybe more, with him in the Shelburne Hotel. That's, you know, when he left him, he had a sacerdotal kind of uh, ambiance about him, something God-branded, which the more I read through his work, I could understand what Ian Hamilton meant. So, it became quite natural just from a socio-political point of view and from an imaginative point of view to view it through the prism of devotional Catholicism and Latin. Yeah, okay. A, a, a devotional sense in his work? Yeah, and his personality. Uh, I think that uh, it's probably something that's not quite familiar to people now, but the uh, notion of forgiveness was very big in his mind, I think. You know, confession was big in his mind. His book is called Confessions of an Irish Rebel. Mm. But but that's in no way to exclude anybody that isn't Catholic because it's simply uh, one of the aspects of the dramatic structure. It's only one of many, I would think. But it's the, it's the central one, as you say. Yeah. Now, and again, there's a view of, of, of Behan that he was a literary celebrity and, you know, there was a performative aspect to him. Was there another aspect to his personality that wasn't, if you like, on all the time? Yeah, I think there very much was. I think that it, being the first kind of Irish rock star, pre-media, pre-multimedia, really, nobody really tutored anyone as to how to deal with it. Mm. And uh, that's a skill that many people have acquired now. You know, you can see the performative acumen. I'm sure you know it far better than I do. People are very, very sophisticated now. They begin their sentences with prepositions. They start in media's res. They're very much researched. And all that has to be done because nobody wants to be misrepresented. But in those days, television was only new. So people like Eamon de Valera were saying it, it could be as dangerous as atomic radiation, you know? Yeah. 
Now, the, the, as I said, the uh, uh, it's finished, I think, on October the 15th, but you are going to be uh, continuing um, your kind of homage to be in, in, uh, at the Red Line Literary Festival. Yeah, the Red Line Literary Festival has asked me to, to speak about him. Now, I'm no expert on Brenda Behan, but I've always been uh, interested in him, and I'd like to continue maybe chatting about him, because the great thing about this year has been... Uh, in the media and in many other places, that Brenda Behan has now been reclaimed by the Irish people, and not just the Irish literary establishment, whatever that might be. People are now interested in him again, and you have this quite extraordinary explosion of balladry and folk music now in Dublin in particular. Which I'm not saying that he, he caused it or anything, but he's a kind of a wellspring of it, I think, for a lot of people. Mm. Yeah, and, and the attraction for you, Pat, because mm-hmm. yeah, there's any any number, I suppose, of Dublin writers who might be doing this, but, uh, you know, a fella from Monaghan, uh, what drew you to him? Well, I suppose there would be a kind of a tendency to be proprietorial about Brendan Behan, you know, and that he came from Russell Street. But first and foremost, he's an Irishman, really. And he's been many other places apart from Dublin. So while I understand the proprietorial impulse, I would mildly kind of suggest that, you know, um, my interest in him was the particular inheritance he sort of gave me as a, as a tender kind of lyrical Irish writer, plus the performative nature I found very, very interesting in it, because Michal O'Hay, who was a producer of Ballad House Saturday Night on Radio Warren many years ago, said that his singular greatest achievement was that he took the wine out of Irish literature. Now, that's a little bit mischievous. Now, mm. I'm not even beginning to suggest that. People couldn't laugh, of course they could, but he really did put it to the forefront. And anybody who knows anything about social life in Ireland, whether now or then, knows that people like a bloody good laugh and they like a song yeah. more than most places. Mm. So where was that, you know? You sometimes used to ask yourself as a teenager, because everybody that I grew up with, certainly, liked to carouse and uh, liked to sing at the drop of a hat, but you couldn't really find it growing organically out of the nature of... The books that I was reading, brilliant as they may have been. Yeah. Pat, thanks a million for speaking with us today. That was Pat McCabe there. Uh, the name of that exhibit is The Holy Hour, a Requiem for Brendan Bean. That continues at the uh, uh, Museum of Literature, Ireland, on Stephen's Green there until October the 15th. Moncrief, weekdays at 2 p.m. with Anna Glaze on News Talk.